I'm excited tonight. Can you tell? I mean, I am so excited. Um, I'm going to be talking to you tonight about entering your land of commanded blessing. Entering your land of commanded blessing. Proverbs 10.23 says, The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. Say rich. Rich. And he addeth no sorrow with it. Glory to God. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. That's his will. That's his word. It's a mighty promise of God, and we all want to live in the reality of it. Amen? God has made some amazing promises to us, and he has also given a lot of you some amazing prophecies about your future. And it's time to enter that land where God has already commanded the blessing for you tonight. We're going to look at the blessing in Deuteronomy 28. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. We need that, don't we? Our nation needs to be set high above all the nations of the earth with Jesus Christ shining out of our nation. Verse 2, And all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee, if thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Blessed shalt thou be in the city, and blessed shalt thou be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of thy body, and the fruit of thy ground, and the fruit of thy cattle, and the increase of thy kind, and thy flocks and thy sheep. Blessed shall be thy basket and thy store. When I'm walking around Walmart pushing my basket, it's blessed. It's blessed. Amen? And my store. Walmart's blessed just because I'm there and the blessing's on me. (laughs) Blessed thou shalt be when thou comest in, and blessed shalt thou be when thou goest out. The Lord shall cause thine enemies that rise up against thee to be smitten before thy face. They shall come out against thee one way and flee before thee seven ways. The Lord shall, and here's the word, command the blessing upon thee in thy storehouses and in all that thou settest thine hand into. And he shall bless thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. I'm going to skip the rest of that. That's a lot of reading. But throughout our lives, we travel a lot of different roads on our way to our land of commanded blessing. Have you noticed that? Uh, Sometimes the roads don't seem to uh, make much sense. Why am I going this way, Lord? Why, Why am I going here? Why am I going there? Why aren't I over there? They seem like they've just got so much going on. Why am I here? Sometimes we may even take a detour and we might... Start bouncing off the sides of our commanded blessing path. You know, oh, I think I'm supposed to go over here. Boom. Whoops. Guess that wasn't it. Better get back on course. And when you start out, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, um, difficult thing to determine which way should I go, Lord? I've got so much to learn. But as you learn to walk, in fellowship with God, 
He, there's a scripture in Proverbs, I don't have this on, on my thing, I added it at the last minute, but it's Proverbs 18, 19, it says, He brought me forth into a large place. He delivered me because he delighted in me. It gets easier to stay in the perfect will of God. And you have a more breathing room as you get to know him more. I just want to say this tonight. Knowledge has a purpose. And the purpose of knowledge is his presence. He doesn't want us just to learn, just to be so we can just be so smart. Even if it's memorizing scriptures or whatever. If we're just, you know, we just want to learn, we just want to learn. Well, the purpose of knowledge is his presence. He wants us to want to know him and to fellowship in intimacy with him. Amen. There are sometimes when we pray for certain things that we think is going to take us in the direction of our commanded blessing. And uh, God has an entirely different idea, doesn't he? When, when uh, Pastor Walt and I made Jesus the Lord of our lives, he was on the sheriff's department and, and was for many, many years. But at that point in his career, he was on a different schedule every month. The first month, he would work from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. The next month, he would work from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. The next month, he would work from 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. And it changed like that every single month. You can imagine what that does to your body, what it does to your family. What, and we had gotten involved in church, and he, we wanted to assume responsibilities in our local church, but we couldn't because of his irregular schedule. So lo and behold, the quartermaster on the sheriff's department was going to leave his position. And he had a job that was from 8 to 5 with weekends off. And it would have enabled us to be in church together as a family every week and to assume responsibilities in our church. And we prayed, oh my goodness, every time we sat down at the kitchen table, our kids, we would all agree together and we would just pray and we would just believe that that position would be given to him. And it kind of drug on for quite a while. And then finally we got the sad news that the quartermaster had decided to stay in his position. He wasn't leaving. He wasn't going anywhere. So we were like, oh, okay. So he continued with his rotating every month schedule, and we continued in our irregular type uh, going to church together as a family. I can remember one time there was this one old guy, and I hadn't been saved all that long. It's one guy slapping. Uh, he said, you know, there's always one of these. And not in this church, hallelujah. But most churches have one of these. You know. They're like, he'd be like, where's Brother Walt today? And I said, well, he's at work. He's like, well, you know, Sister Pam, there should come a time in his life when he realizes it's more important to be in church than it is to be at work. And he'll understand that it just doesn't mean that much to have that job. It's like, oh, yeah, you're retired and 
you aren't even working at all. You don't, you don't have, you are clueless. And I was, I've always been a kind of a sassy and spunky kind of person. Speak my mind sometimes, think about it later. Jerry, Jerry back there, he never does, relates to this because he's, he's never done anything like that. But, um, I managed somehow by the divine power of the Holy Ghost to zip it and I didn't come back at him like I wanted to, but, it was interesting because before he had gone on the sheriff's department, he was a printer. He knew all about printing and, and, uh, he was, what did they call it? A journeyman printer? Is that what you were? Okay. A journeyman printer. And so he, he got called into the sheriff's office and we were told that the sheriff's department was going to open up a printing division. And that they wanted him, because of his experience, to be in charge of it. That he would order any kind of equipment and, and, and uh, set it up any way he wanted. And that he would be solely in, responsible and in charge of it. They would give him someone to work for him, but he would be in charge. He would have every day, he would get off. I think he worked from 7 to 3 and was off every evening. Every weekend, got 11 paid holidays, was furnished a unmarked sheriff car with all the gasoline and maintenance provided to him. And he could work a flexible schedule. So if we needed to go to a seminar or something, he could work extra this week and take off next week. Uh, whatever he wanted to do. It was whatever he wanted to do. Well, that made the way possible for us to become youth leaders and and really involved in our church it also opened up the way where we could travel for with Kenneth Copeland for seven years and and work in his ministry and traveled with Benny Hinn for several years and I mean just it just gave us a whole release to do the things that our heart desired to do but we wouldn't have thought of that and if we would have been all huffy and puffy and mad at God when he didn't make the quartermaster leave, we probably never would have had it. But see, that's where we thought the road should be going up here. Well, it kind of took a little sideway, but it got us to a place better than we had ever thought of. Praise his name. When God takes away something, he has something bigger and better in mind. Something, yes, amen. Some things that we may view as unanswered prayers are just a setup from God for greater things. Some doors close for our protection and other doors open that we would not have thought were even possible. Some people think, oh God, I gotta have this boyfriend. I gotta marry this man. And later on they find out he was a total jerk. And they're thanking God. Oh, thank you, God, that you didn't let me have that man. Oh, I've got a wonderful husband now, and I certainly would not want to be spending my life with Bozo that I thought I wanted. When Job was going through the horrific losses in his life, he did not know that God would be restoring him double of everything that he lost, that the devil had stolen from. And when his nasty mean, insulting, honorary, accusatory friends 
were hurling their accusations and their insults and and their self-righteous junk at him. He did not know that someday those same people would be coming to him and bringing him gifts because God was going to restore him and he was going to be richer than ever. Job 42, 10 through 13. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Isn't that wonderful that when people have been nasty and vicious and awful to us, that we can just pray for blessings upon them? Isn't that wonderful? It's not always easy, but it's wonderful. And it releases us and them when we do. Then all his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him and ate food with him in his house, and they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. It was the devil, actually. But each one gave him a piece of silver and each one a ring of gold. Now, if all of your acquaintances brought you a piece of silver and a ring of gold, everybody you know, I mean, that's a lot of people. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels. What do you do with 6,000 camels? I don't know. I, I, I'm not all that thrilled with camels. Uh, when we were in Israel, uh, we did have a gentleman, Kim was with us. And um, you all know our daughter, Kim. Um, there was a guy that came up and offered us 20 camels for her said, no, we don't think her husband would like that much. And then he's like, oh, oh okay, okay, okay. But 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. His wife, his charming little piece of work she was when he was going through all of it, said, why don't you just curse God and die? Well, guess what? She died. Whoops. And Job married another lady named Dinah, who was a daughter of Jacob and had ten children by her. God restored him. Some things just don't make sense in this life, and some things we just will never understand until we get to heaven. And you just got to kind of deal with that. I had a young lady that called me a couple of weeks ago, and her daughter had just passed away. And she was a young girl, and... Uh, she said, I don't understand. She said, we prayed. We had friends that prayed. Our church prayed. We, we took communion. We spoke the blessings over her. We spoke the word over her. We decreed that she would live and not die. But she died, and even when she died, we commanded her to come back to life again. And she didn't. And she said, I'm just, I'm just, I don't, I, I'm just devastated. I don't know what to do. And I, and I said, honey, I said, I want to tell you something. I said, there's no shortcuts in these type of situations. There's no magic words that I can say to make you feel better. But I will tell you this. Don't let unanswerable questions dominate your mind. Amen. In any situation that you don't understand. Just say, God, I don't understand, but I trust you completely. 
And she said that helped her. And I think when we're facing things, we have to do that at times because we don't always understand, do we? John 10.10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Even after Satan kills, steals, and destroys, Jesus still has comfort, joy, and strength and a plan for your abundant life. God wants each and every one of us to enter our land of commanded blessing. He wants us to have the precious inheritance that was bought by uh, bought for us by his blood. Amen. The storms of life may be raging all around you. You may feel or think that going in a certain direction will be right for you. However, if you keep your eyes on the lighthouse, Jesus himself, you will not crash on the rocks along the shore. Uh, I want to... I'm going to change gears here a little bit. I'm going to go to 1 Kings 17. Um, 1 Kings 17, verse 1. We're going to talk about Elijah a little bit. And Elijah, the Tishbite. What's a Tishbite? Anybody know? I don't know what a Tishbite is, but that's what Elijah was. He was a Tishbite. Who was of the inhabitants of Gilead said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Sherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. I mean, we think Uber's cool. How about if the ravens just brought us you know, food, you know? So he went and did according unto the word of God, and he went and dwelt by the brook Sheriff that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass, oh my, it was going good, wasn't it? And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Well, now, I'm sure Elijah had some questions. When the ravens stopped coming and the brook dried up, like, what am I going to do, Lord? What am I going to do? And, you know, if he was like some of our normal preachers, he might have sent out some help literature in the mail or through email and he would said you see this this is the brook the lord gave me to be by this see all the water see the water in that brook that brook that's that's where i got my drinks from you see this brook dried up no water no mo no mo water pretty bad situation I'm in here, folks, and I just want you to know that I need your financial assistance this month because you remember last newsletter when I sent you out the picture of the ravens and I was praising God because they were bringing me bread and meat every morning and every night. Ravens quit coming. Even this one. This is Ramon. He was my favorite raven. He used to bring me the biggest portions 
of bread and meat. And he would even sit in my lap. Ramon, gone. Left me. If you don't give, this prophet's going under. I need your help bad this month. Now, he could have done that, but, but he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He, you know what he did? He listened to the Lord for what's my next instruction. What's my next instruction? And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Here again, he could have said, Zarephath, I know that town. They're in a famine. I think maybe I better go to the widow in Palm Springs instead. I think they're in a, a little bitter, better economical situation there than Zarephath. I heard they had a just totally bad famine there. But no, he went. And so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he had come to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And she was going to, as she, and as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she's like, what? Prophet, don't you know, as the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a cruise. And behold, I'm gathering two sticks together that I may go dress it. And me and my son are going to eat it and then die. And you want me to bring you a cake? Oh, listen, I'm calling the media. This is going to be front page. This prophet demands that starving widow woman gives him a cake from her last meal. And Elijah said, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her whole house did eat for many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. There's a big difference between when hard times come, just freaking out and saying, God, how could you let this happen to me? And making the best of it, continuing to listen to God, obey God, and do what he says. When I was a kid, there was a little boy in our Sunday school class, and his name was Bobby Pence. Sweet, sweet, sweet little boy. And he got to come to Sunday school, but that's it. He never got to go to any of the youth activities. He never got to... At friends over to his house, he never got to go to anybody's house because his mom was an invalid and he literally had to do everything for her. And uh, he had to fix her, her hair, her, he had to do her nails, he had to do everything for his mom. And so we all felt sorry for little Bobby. Well, let me tell you what happened to little Bobby. Little Bobby grew up. Little Bobby opened the plushest spa that Indianapolis had, and everybody in town wanted to go to Robert's Salon's Ball. It was the place to be. See, he took his importunity 
and turned it in an, into an opportunity. Most people thought, poor little Bobby, when he was, you know, a little boy. But, ooh, Roberts, if I can get an appointment with Roberts to do my hair, you know, this kind of thing. He, he was, he was, he became very famous and rich. Um, there was a young man um, in Henryville, Indiana, and uh, his father died when he was six years old, and his mother had to go to work full time, so this little six-year-old boy had to learn how to cook all the meals. He had to care for his little brothers and sisters. He had to do everything. He had to become, at six years old, the man of the house. And so uh, he did it, but when he was older, he owned a little bitty tiny service station, and he decided that he would start selling leftover meals at the service station. So he put a couple of tables and a few chairs in there, and he he would serve leftover meals to hungry travelers, meals like he'd made for his young siblings, steak, country ham like we had tonight, string beans, okra and fluffy biscuits. Doesn't that sound good? Mm, sounds yummy to me. Well, late, later he had a small cafe, which eventually closed down, but in that cafe he started making fried chicken in a pressure cooker, and he added that to the menu, and the people really liked it. And at age 65, with his $105 a month Social Security check, he launched out to sell his fried chicken to other places. There are now over 24,000 KFC outlets in more than 145 countries and territories around the world. Importunity becomes opportunity if you put it in the hands of God. Colonel Sanders was a generous man. He was a tither. He was a giver. He was, we, we know a, a, a pastor. His father was pastor of the church at the time, but in Louisville. And, um, he was just out in front of his church one Sunday morning and picking up some stuff out of the yard, getting ready for church service. And, um, this limo pulls up and the man calls him over to the car. He said, I was just out going for a drive this morning, and I said, the first pastor I see, I'm going to give him a million dollars. And it was Colonel Sanders, and he gave this man a million dollars. Woo! They come on by here, bro. Send, or I guess it'd have to be his descendants, because he's with the Lord now. But I, I love stories where people turn things around. Yes. I love stories like that. There was, there was a man named David that worked for um, Colonel Sanders. And he worked diligently for the colonel. And the colonel would send him into stores that were just about to go under. And he would go and he would work and he would work with the employees. He would work just unlimited hours. He would he would really work with those stores until they would be up being top producing stores again. And uh, he had a dream of himself, and he had a dish that he liked to make. And so he decided to sell it and name it after his daughter. And uh, Dave Thomas, as anybody, not heard of Wendy's. 
See, sometimes what you're doing for other people, you're paving the way. You're sowing the seed for your dream when you're helping other people. We don't realize it, that our dream can be just the other side of that threshold of serving someone else. If you just remain faithful and keep pressing towards your land of commanded blessing, you're going to find it. God does not want us to lose faith and fall short of walking in what he has for us. I'm going to close here in just a minute. But Joshua 18, 1 through 3, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there. And the land was subdued before them. And there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, How long are you slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers hath given you? You know, if we're going to get what we're supposed to have, the violent take it by force, the word of God says. We're going to have to fight some giants. We're going to have to work diligently. We're going to have to press in. Now, you might not be able to sprint like you did when you were 18, but you can put one foot in front of the other and move forward. Just keep moving forward. When you stop making progress, you start losing ground. Someone asked, how do you eat an elephant? And the answer was one bite at a time. One bite at a time. Don't just let your days drift by you. Set goals to accomplish something, something every day. Amen? Amen. God and the people of this world are just waiting for us to go and claim our inheritance, to realize who we are, who we are, and the power that we have been given in Christ Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's just praise him a minute. Lord, we just bless you tonight. God, we say to you, paint your dream on the canvas of our heart, God. Help us to stay on course. Help us to never back down. Help us to never be satisfied with the status quo. Help us to walk in sync with you and to continue to progress toward that land of commanded blessing that you have for us. God, I pray for each person here that even tonight you will clarify some things for them. Lord, it's so easy to have so many different plans and so many different ideas and so many different thoughts. But God, I just ask that you would solidify some things in people's hearts tonight. They, They might not know everywhere they're supposed to go that they'll say, I know this is a right track for me. Holy Spirit, show them tonight. Show them tonight. And command your blessing upon them, God. That it won't be working and struggling in the flesh to get where they're supposed to be, but that it'll be a path of your favor that opens up before them as they seek your face, as they pray, as they obey you, as they honor you, God. Make a way. You be the way where there seems to be no way, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, my Father. 
Thank you, my Father. And if you're watching online, don't just sit there like a spectator. Let the Holy Ghost speak to your heart tonight. There's some of you that are in wrong relationships, and it's going to bounce you around on a rocky road for a long time until you listen to the Lord. And I just break the power of wrong relationships, of ungodly soul ties in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Satan, take your hands off of them. And God, we here in this room and online, we lift up our families. Any one of them that's in wrong relationships or on wrong roads or not following you, we just believe for an invasion of your presence and your power to enter our homes, Lord, and for salvation to come forth. We say that we are the generation of the upright, and the generation of the upright is blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We receive that. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Does anybody need prayer tonight before we close? Any prayer requests tonight before we close? Okay. Um, I have a family uh, that this whole family seems to be under attack. Mm. The children, too. Um, and this is something new. This is something they've never experienced. As I've never experienced it. But the children are hurting themselves. Mm. It's gotten really serious. Mm -hmm. And um, we've been calling and asking for prayer from prayer warriors that can really reach out Mm -hmm. so that Jesus can help this family and this family in California. So um, I really would hope that we could pray for them. The whole family. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just come before you tonight. First of all, we call down every weapon that has been targeted against this family. And we say, loose them and let them go in Jesus' name. We command this thing of of hurting themselves for these kids to stop in Jesus' name. We send your word to this family, Lord, in Jesus' name. We say they, they are delivered from this. And God, we pray that you'll give them wisdom and inspiration. And Lord, we believe that what has been, that has come, that has meant to destroy them will raise them to a new plateau in you, God, that they'll know you like they've never known you before and that you'll send them out to help other people who've been attacked. We cancel what the devil has plotted for them. We cancel it in the name of Jesus. And we just release the deliverance, the power, and the presence and healing and anointing of God upon them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Any other prayer requests? Vivian? I don't really know how to describe it, except it seems like he's unstable in all his ways. Okay. That's what, that's what we're dealing with. Okay. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, we just lift up this. What's his name? Tony. Tony. And we just break the power of the devil over him. Lord, we pray that his steps will be ordered by you, that he will turn to you with his whole heart, that he will not be double-minded and he will not be unstable in all his ways, God, but that he will have the wisdom and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Most of all, that he will have the salvation, the presence, the just the complete delivering power that only you can give, active in his life. In Jesus' name, Satan, take your hands off of Tony now. We command you to loose him and let him go. In Jesus' name, Lord, give him a hunger for you, for your word, to be with people who have wisdom, who can speak into his life, and to help him get on the path to his land of commanded blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.